My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Mm-hmm. But it's an empty road, I feel so alone, I forgot. I'll tell you, I love that song at the beginning. It just like, gets me in the zone for Fishers. It's really nice. And it's truth, man. I mean, we all know all this crazy time that we're in, everything we're doing. And it's such really an easy solution. We're going to talk a lot about this tonight because I think when we really start looking at where we walk, I'm really, I've come to this place where we're kind of convinced through our life that like we're supposed to be struggling. We're supposed to be having all this pain. It's like, just walk with Jesus. And it's really not any more difficult than that. Just walk with Jesus. And then you're like, 
how come life's so easy? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because you're walking with Jesus. Maybe. And it's not like life is easy, but things become detached from the difficult. We are so programmed to be dramatic. And I'm telling you, this like today was just a chill day. I've got a ton to do between now and when I leave next Monday. I'm the long, my lists are pages long. And there's just a certain calm that's settled in. I'm just cruising along, getting the stuff done, and just chilling. And a lot of that is just like, all right, Lord, let's get her done. You know, as it comes, as it goes. Things are coming together. So note for self and everyone else. Walk with Jesus and let him have all the stresses and you're good, man. It's really, really true. Before we get going, I want to call out this great company, Broadlight, Broad, Treadlight, Broadlight, Treadlight, Broadforks. I'll get it right. Treadlight, Broadforks. They're a good company. Really are. I, I love this. Love what they make. The product is fantastic. It's a broad fork for your garden digging. With And it's, you just need to check them out. If you don't have a broad fork, do get one. And it's really what's awesome is I've been building an assembly of tools that I can do the whole garden with, with obviously with no power tools and great quality tools so I know that I can continue to garden even when the world ends, if it ends, whatever that game is they've got for us. And by the way, these tools do not, they do not include artificial intelligence tracking. So you are free from the grid, which is nice. And no chips, nothing like that. No, no embedded AIs, no embedded nanotech. It's just straight up steel. And when you order one, get one with the steel bars because it's, they're better. They, they last longer. So anyway, tread light broad forks, T-R-E-A-D-L-I-T-E broad forks. They are um, great companies, family owned um, the father is a, an industrial, he teaches industrial science or something like that in high school. He's, he just, he teaches and he designs stuff. So he's designed these great product. Talk to the family. And I think I've said great product five times now. So you get the point anyway, um, use your promo code Bards and you'll get free shipping. Super great thing. And there you go. So check it out. Links below. You'll like it. And it's good for your garden. And this is the time to get your gardens prepped. For everything that's going on. So that's good. All right. So I want to, I'll dig up a piece. There's one I want to start with. Now, I'm just going to warn you as I do a little bit of language in this. But I love this. I mean, this this piece is uh, one of these dual split pieces, like split screen pieces. And you've got a black guy on the left watching this white woman do a rant. But She's so on point. So I want you to hear this because this is where we've arrived at finally as a nation. We're starting to get here rapidly. So again, little language warning here, nothing extreme, but just be aware. Here we go. You can call me a racist. You can call me whatever the hell you want because watch this. I'm white or peach or whatever color you want to call me today. I don't give a shit, but I'm going to say exactly how I feel right here. And I'm going to say how 99% of the people feel in the comments. To all you black people out there and all you brown people out there that say that these rich, white, old, fogey politicians from both sides of the aisle, that they don't represent you. Good, because they don't represent us either. We are so sick and tired of these white old fogies that claim that they know how we are. They claim they know how we live and they know our struggle. They don't represent none of us. 
The only color that they represent is green. But they'll divide the black, they'll divide the white, they'll divide the brown for the color green. It's the only thing they care about. You only need to go to these multi-million dollar rich communities and see their little BLM size. They don't give a shit about black people. Who the hell are they fooling? They think that the black people are that stupid. They think that the white people are that stupid. That we really think that they give a shit about either of the communities? No. And it is so good to see here on TikTok brown people, black people, white people finally waking up to this bullshit that's been going on for all these years. And that's why they don't like the guy with the orange hair or the orange skin or whatever you want, because he's going to expose them all. And the only way for them to keep their little secret for their money bullshit, the color green, is to get rid of the orange guy. Well, guess what? We don't care about colors no more. No, we don't. And I think that's the big thing right there is we don't care about colors. And what's really awesome about this piece is we're not, no one's getting triggered, at least not here in calling people out for a color. God created us in this multicolored, beautiful tapestry, and we have so many unique things going on, and we need each other. I think if there's one thing we've discovered in this last, I would hope that we've discovered it since 2016, is we need each other. It's not just that we're in this together. That's kind of their thing of like, <laughs> you all are going to bathe in the mess that we create, and we're all going to take mRNA, and you're all going to suffer together. That's not what we're talking about. We're in this together because together is how we overcome this. And we and that's the next part is that we need each other. In the body of Christ, we need each other. And as we start to get into a place where we can be honest in our hearts and speak our hearts without all this tiptoeing around truth, where we arrive at is an elevated consciousness and place in the body of Christ. So I want to dig into this a little bit because it's kind of strange when you say those things like elevated consciousness, vibrations, frequency. Those are people can get pretty rattled on that because they'll be like, "Well, that's new age stuff." Actually, it's it's a lot of different age stuff. It's the core of really what Christ Jesus was teaching us, and that's like two thousand years ago age stuff. What we learn when we when we pray is our body frequency changes. We elevate ourselves up. There's a positivity that comes from it. And when we pray all the time and we're in that state of prayer, we're in the moment. That's one of the most important things to grasp. In the moment is when we experience and live now and not worry about the tomorrow, doesn't worry about next week, and not worried about what was in the past. And when we're there, we're really handing things off to God. We have to get into a place where we can start letting go of things and realizing that God wants us here and now with him. The problem is that we spend so much time pining about a legacy of the past, something we did, something we want to do, something we don't have, something we're worried about, some issues in our life that has anxiety. And we're not giving God the attention that he's asking of us. And quite frankly, when we lean into him that much and we're in, in that presence with him, most of this other stuff just kind of settles itself. Most everybody has been through a point where it's been maximum anxiety over something. Maybe it's a mortgage payment. Maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a health scare. 
Maybe it's an investigation in your life. I don't know. And those points of being pushing you up under those high levels tests you in your ability to let go and hand things over to him. A soldier doesn't get a comment, doesn't get an option. So I kind of want to address this tonight because there's a when you're in a in a situation versus where people are out here in the civilian world. I'm a civilian, but where we are all are out here. Everything we do has a choice. You'll hear people say, like in the vax period, the peak COVID con period, I was coerced to take it. I had no option but to take it. That's actually not entirely true. There was always options. The thing is you made a choice to follow what you had before you, and there was a a decision that was made to lean into a job or lean into the obligations of an employer, but you were never forced. And the coercion was simply done because a person wasn't willing to let go and was needed or decided they needed that job more than ever. I've struggled with this a lot, and it's not a judgment, but it's a place of really deep trust. What would have happened in a society if that 60% or 70% on average that took the shot, what if they all said no? What if they all said, God doesn't want me to take this shot. I'm not going to take it. Would they have lost all their houses because they couldn't pay their mortgage? Were they not able to be fed? And my argument is no. All of those things would have turned out just fine. It would have been a little dicey for a few weeks maybe. But there's two reasons for that. The first and foremost is, had we leaned into God as a nation and said, no, we're going to put our eyes on Christ and trust in this, that's where God needed us, and there's no question when we do that, God provides. On the physical side of that, had we done that as a nation, not one business would have been able to run, and they would have bowed to us rather than us bowing to them. It's super important right now that we start getting this because what happened during COVID-Con is that they had maximized the division by race. Think about where the Floyd incident happened. Think about all those race riot stuff. All of that was done and engineered to divide us before they released the COVID-Con. And then once they released the COVID-Con scare, we were divided and we were not looking to one another in unity. We were looking at one another in terms of collective groups little tribes that we were creating. And they won that round, to be very blunt. However many ways you cut that, the enemy won the round of masks, and they won the round of the first two shots. They won. And it's because of that that we have 90% of the liberal class or more that was that took the shots, and I think it was 30 to 40%, and could be higher, but... About 40% of Trump's followers took the shot. So they won that round. Now, round two, we're coming up. As this has moved along and we prepared for the second sequence of this, apparently, it's not that people, It's in part it's true that people have had enough. But what we've discovered, and it's what I just said a minute ago, is 
We're stronger together and we need each other to be strong. And as we start to rediscover that very fundamental truth, we become an unshakable, we become an unshakable and an unbreakable wall. All of that is where we place our faith. And so this is one of these things that we have to continue to keep our eyes on Christ and stay strong together. There's nothing in that shot that's good. Nothing. And that shot was never designed to be anything other than evil. And the real question is, as a society, as a people, can we overcome? Because that division is real. And it has created all sorts of compounding issues. We have issues of the spreading and the shedding. We have issues of the health. And these aren't small because everyone that took that shot at one point or another has compromised their immune system and it's compromised their body. That's the nature of what it does. To what degree, some of it won't show up for years. But the challenge that we have now when we play in their world is that we have an us versus them relationship. And in sad, sad as it is, those that took the shot are likely to become in need of the support of those that didn't. And so from an economic point of view, those that took the shot are now going to become the, the social burdens for society to tend to, while those that didn't take the shot work and pay the taxes that cover those things, those social issues like health care that those that took the shot are going to need. That, that's a reality. That's a financial reality. So anybody that took that shot ends up being part of a problem that the rest of society is going to have to carry the burden of. And the, the probability is that if a person has taken the shot, unless they got lucky and got a placebo, like I said, this stuff is growing in you. That's what the graphene oxide, that's, the, that's this nanotech, that's the mRNA. But here's the catch. If we are focused on the me part of this and my taxes and my money, then what I just said has relevance. Because what it's saying is, I'm paying taxes and my dollars of my taxes are going to have to pay for those who made a bad decision. And there's truth to that. But what happens when we change the perspective and we say, it's God's money? And we have to work together to overcome this attack. Once we do that and we pivot and we work through a relationship with God, then we discover how we need each other. Right now, we're still not quite there. We're starting to get there. We're getting there on a political front. But we're not there yet on a spiritual front. And that's going to be the big challenge ahead of us is us being able to overcome the division that they place before us. And the way through that is that we have to come to the understanding that we need each other. There were bad decisions made. And I've said many times that we need accountability 
but that's everybody. But we have to live a life of accountability. We can't just whitewash stuff and say it didn't happen. Can't pretend like we're just going to all get over it because there were many layers of this shot. And 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 I'm I'm articulating these because it's part of this crisis that we're in right now. And that crisis is this: it is is that people not only took the shot, but then they advocated positions like those people need to be rounded up and forced man forced vaccinated. These people over here, they need to go door to door and, and you need to be denied a job. You need to be denied access to food if you didn't take the shot. People were saying these things and they believed them. And that's the part of the wound that somehow is going to have to be healed. But the way that it's to be healed is that we can't keep cutting it open. And it's going to take a step that many of us are going to have to face is can we forgive and hand it over to God and put before us the more important issue that we need each other more than we need our anger, our frustration, our judgment on another. These aren't easy things. And they're not going to get any easier as we go forward. That last piece, by the way, came from the 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 account Plastic Girl Reporting. If you don't follow that account, please do. Fantastic account on Telegram. Probably one of the tops out there, in my opinion. The challenges ahead for our nation are not going to be solved. And I was hitting on this last hour. Are not going to be solved by a single man. There's a really amazing flow globally of support for President Trump. And I have no doubt that he's going to see a return to office in some form and that there'll be a lot of what he said and did will be vindicated. Where that takes us, I don't know. But the deeper problems that we face in this culture deal with our position with God, the moralities in which we live with, and our willingness to be persuaded to turn against each other. That's the part that's so amazing is how easy it is to get people to hate each other. COVID kind of revealed that completely. The rifts are immense. The hatred was out, outrageous. If we thought hatred was bad when President Trump was running for office in 2016, COVID con took it to a new level. Because people would literally, they, they were so afraid, and it was fear-driven. They were so afraid. Their lack of faith, their lack of relationship with God literally forced them into a place where turning in a neighbor, saying to, reporting people, berating people for not wearing a mask, encouraging punishment upon those who didn't comply to shot or mask was a new normal. And those people thought it was, no, the people doing it considered it to be the right thing to do because there was no such thing as rights to them at that point. The idea of we all were in this together was to save us because there was this unbelievable pandemic that was going to kill all of humanity. Which I guess if you were elderly in a home near a 5G tower that got turned on pretty high, that probability of death was there. And then if they could cut you off of your meds, take you off of your ventilators and, and have you suffer and die alone, cut you off of food and sever you from your family so that you starved to death or died miserably, then yeah, then I would say maybe there was some truth too the COVID con killing people. But the truth was never part of these people's lives. 
fear defined the reality. And it's still here to a certain degree. And you and that's the, the part that's going to hurt us the most in the long term. But as a nation, these wounds are going to fester if we don't address them. And if we don't have the courage, each and every one of us, to walk this through. We're coming to a zenith in this, in this moment in time where the, there's enough truth coming out that those that are now locked in that state of fear are starting to have to confront the fact that they're there because they chose to be not because there was a real issue. There will be a percentage of people that will never leave that state of fear because they've locked in. It's the only way they can survive. It's the only choice that they were, they're willing to make. But the principal issue we have to have is a very level, very reasoned conversation with people that does not get inflamed because everything that they're trying to do right now is to incite emotional violence between each other, between ourselves. I want to play this for you real quick. Think of the news. New lockdowns coming. More crime. Border problems. International problems. Inflation. Toxic clouds. Spy balloons. China. Russia. Ukraine. The economy. The World Economic Forum. Drag queens. Child mutilation. How do you respond? Sad for our kids? Sorry they have to grow up during this time? Are you feeling rapture fever? What if... What if this national setback is really a divine setup for a spiritual comeback led by the family of faith? Don't be sad and cry in your Chick-fil-A soup, waiting for Jesus to take you and your children out of this world. I think Jesus is waiting for us and our children to pick up our Bibles and take charge of this world as joyful warriors, grateful for the gospel and the Holy Spirit power that has set us free and bring heaven to earth by obeying his commands. Amen. <laughs> Man, that's just so dead on. And you've heard me go on this quite a bit before. We're just at a, we have to make the turn now as people. And the turn is level and calm. The turn isn't hyperbolic and crazy. You know, when, when you get into a firefight and that first moment when the guns explode, you, you put your, your heart goes right about to the middle of your throat. I don't care who you are because it's that stun, it's that moment of instant like what the heck is going on. But you can't survive there, so you have to make choices. In the soldiers' conflict, unlike what I started with earlier, where people had choices, soldiers don't get a choice. Their contracts seal them into a time of service, and they don't get a choice of whether to leave the situation or not. And that's where your true sense of like PTSD can come from, because there's no way out other than through. In the civilian world, unless you're a sex slave, there is nobody, there is no job that people have that they could not have stepped away from. None. So the trauma that people induced and went through, that trauma is theirs to own because they chose to walk through that and not step back and break contact. And by breaking contact, I mean like literally breaking the job and going somewhere else to find something more suitable. Or taking the risk, which is the big leap, the leap of faith to walk with God. In combat, you're locked in. You have only one choice. That is to put your eyes on your maker. 
to put your eyes on Jesus and say, all right, I've got to get through this. Whatever falls, befalls is, is what it is. And it's an interesting place there because God will bring you through. And with that, getting through sometimes entails violence. The war that has been waged upon us has been violent. People's response has been to seek the love that's necessary to get through while we struggle with the verbal violence and the divisional violence, the cultural violence between one another, which again is ironic because each one of us walked a path and made a choice and the real puppeteers of this whole thing are still walking free. The only way we're going to, in the end, bring those people to an, an, an accountability is the right term. God has the hand of justice and, 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 and vengeance in this world. But the only way that we can bring these people to a point of accountability is if we realize that everyone has to be together in this. And by everyone, I'm not going to mean down to the last man because there's always going to be people that will disagree. There's going to be people out here to the end of their days that thinking that taking the vax was the right thing. There'll be people that say that, you know, well, I, I needed to or I, you know, how I was led to take it, whatever. The, the vax was the hand of evil. It was the weapon system to destroy us. And heaven is going to... is has mercy, the question is, do we have mercy in our hearts for one another? Because many of these people that are wrapped in this narrative don't have, never have had a relationship with God. Worse are the ones that were wrapped in this narrative that thought they knew Christ and then learned something different because they were misled by their shepherds. And so those that are now here, as we're walking in with Christ, stepping, stepping aside our fears, if you have any, stepping into this world, not twisted by what was done, but rather seeing this as the opportunity to awaken and to arise, that's where victory rests. And to do that, what we know very clearly is one person can't change the world, but a group of people understanding the importance of each other can. And I think that's really at the core of so much of this. Judges 7. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him got up early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Median was north of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. Then the Lord said to Gideon, There are too many people with you for me to hand over Midian to them. Otherwise Israel will boast about themselves against me, saying, My own power has rescued me. So now proclaim in the hearing of the people, Whoever is afraid and trembling... Let them turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men returned home, but 10,000 remained. Now, this is an interesting way. I want everybody to think about this for a minute. What if the vax was God's Gideon's moment? 
What if the vax was literally to do just that? That there were too many of them, and if they succeeded, they would boast about what was great in themselves. So instead of asking them who was afraid and trembling, what if the question was, who needs a shot to keep you safe from the fearful pandemic? See the parallel? And right there, that is such a powerful moment when we start to realize that God may have had a much bigger hand in this than we've ever realized. Why is that important? Because, again, it was a choice that was likely a choice that God knew already who was going to pull away. Let's continue. Then the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many people. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. He shall go with you, but everyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate everyone who laps the water with their tongue, putting their hand to their mouth, was was 300 men, but all the rest of the people kneeled down and drank the water. And the Lord told Gideon, With the 300 men who lapped, I will rescue you, and I will hand, o- will hand over the Midianites to you. Let all the other people go, each man to his home. So 300 men took people's provisions for the journey and their trumpets made of ram's horns in their hands. And Gideon sent away all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but kept 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Totally inverted the odds. Midian's camp is massive. All Gideon is left with is 300. So as we sit here and we've walked this path, however you've gotten here, sorted your way through this, and there's times that the world seems enormously big, that we're outnumbered and outgunned. It seems like they have control over so many things. Exactly where Gideon was. And we look at them and we say, you won round one. I said that in the beginning. But did we? Did they? Or did God win round one because God pared it down? He took them out of the play by their own free will so that God could do it again and to bring down to where he has a core of people that can lead this fight back, that have gone through the trials of fire and truly have the heart for what God needs to win. So to loop back from what I said earlier, that they had won, meaning that that evil had won the first round. I'm not sure that's true. And I'm not sure it's true when we frame it around Gideon that while the evil may think it has won, in fact, what God has in play is something much greater. He's risen up and awakened his remnant. And this is where we literally now have to look at each other and realize, as Gideon learns, those people that left went back to their villages. Gideon was left on the point. This is where we are right now. And I want you to think about this. And so we're out here looking around and we're like, oh my goodness, look at all these people. Look at 
They're doing the Vax thing again. But we've already defeated this enemy the first round. We went after them. That, that remnant, like Gideon's men who blew the horns and broke the pots of light and woke up the night. Our symbolic, that symbology is us speaking the truth into the, into the world, standing up for what is right, confronting the lies, opening those things up, blowing our trumpets of our voice, and shedding the light of exposing the darkness and bringing the darkness into the light. That's the metaphor right there again. And now we enter into an army. This was Midianites who are scattering and what happens? Those that were in the village now rally and come forward. Do you see what's happening around us now? Do you see all the voices that when they say round two in the masks, suddenly everyone's standing up going, not a chance, not doing this again. But it never could have happened had God not gone through the process of allowing people to choose and then paring them down to where you get to the core of people that are so strong in their belief that no matter what was going to happen, they would never bow. We are the Gideon army. And now the strength that we have given to this fight is the strength that the others find as they come to the sides of each other. And we join in this fight together. We're not asking if somebody comes to the line, were you vaxxed? We're not asking that anymore because we really don't care. We're not asking somebody, did you, did you, um, how did you come to decide that it was not the right, it was time finally to not believe in the COVID con? Those aren't questions we're asking anymore because it's irrelevant. What we're looking at is someone comes up or say, man, I'm good to see you. Wow. Glad to see you on the line with us. They know. And this is what's important is they know, and that's for them to carry. But our hearts are in the forgiving place, whether we realize it or not. Where the, where the unforgiveness comes, I think truly, is when we confront those that are still trying to point the finger at us as being the problem. But, and I have to say this, and I'm not innocent in this statement, so I want to be clear. And it's something that even I have to take to prayer, and really, as if I wouldn't anyway, but I, it's something I, I have to take to prayer. And it's this, those people that are still wearing the mask, those people that are still trying to point at us as the problem, we have to have grace with them because they're just as important now as they were in the beginning. Because what they end up doing is they fuel people even more to do the right thing and stand with God. I don't know if that's what God intends, but I know that that's what they're doing. And as they come at us and they point the finger now, we look at them and we realize many of which many people were in their place before. Now they become the reminder of where they never want to go back to again. That's an important component. We have to find the grace in our heart. We have to find the forgiveness in our heart. Not easy. Especially when people are screaming at you and, and there's, they're there. Don't think they're not. Go, go to Portland, Oregon. Go to downtown. You'll find them. Go to San Francisco. You'll find them. But this is a time of great humbling. And I think when we look at this, we'd like to, I refer to it sometimes as the great shaking. 
Now, I've said that many times in prayer, but this is an era at the time of the great humbling. And ex- excuse the metaphor, but even for us who didn't take the vax, our shit still stinks. And we have to come to the realization that as we point the finger at them for one thing, there's probably three pointing back at us for something stupid we already did. But the division that was done here was so well engineered. Because it's intended to create these rifts and these triggers. And all of this science that talks about how we have shedding and we have polluted blood and these people are going to be controlled psychologically, maybe, maybe all the above. But if we're really that remnant, if we're really that 300, metaphorically speaking, and God has really put us here, as I believe he has, then we have the power of the horns and the light to defeat any army and to rally the others to our side, which also means we have the authority to heal. Our primary mission, if we did nothing more than spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, heal the sick and broken, cast out demons, raise the dead, and do greater works as that emerges. If that's all we focused on, on the positive aspects of that, once in a while flipping a table, because either way it still feels good flipping a table. I don't care how many ways you dice that fruit. But if we pass everything else over to our Father and let him handle the darker aspects of justice and judgment and letting the courts of heaven, and we have well within our right at times when we need to, to call upon the courts of heaven to take and intercede in the case. But all of that is done with us letting off all of this burdensome stuff of hatred, division, angry at the vax people, looking at them as this or that starting to realize that God had a greater purpose for all of this, especially as we reflect on Gideon. There's no more judgment. There's just praise. And if there's praise, that's where God needs us the most. I'm telling you, this is a complete reframing, but it centers on a principal issue, and it's an important one. And that's this. God's justice is built on mercy, not punishment. And if God is looking at his world through mercy, I think we might want to get on that train. It changes a lot of things for us. And it isn't to say you're suddenly giving into evil and doing peace at any cost, because that's garbage. But what it is saying is there's a whole bunch of people out here that were part of this attack that we've looked at as being weak and perhaps they were there necessarily because they weren't ready for where we could go. And in us taking the step of where we've gone, they're now having a chance to step into the arena with us with the strength that they didn't have before, but they have now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. And just truly, Father, just a humbling reflection today on Gideon. As we look on that story and just reflect 
and consider truly the complications of this time. We tend to be a very black and white and very zero one type people in our thinking, especially with the way that we do things. And we forget that there's a wide spectrum of where people walk in their relationship with you. We want it one way or no way. And in so doing, we find ourselves caught in the trap of judgment and rejection. Father, in this time, my prayer tonight for everyone and everyone who joins is just to open our hearts to the story of Gideon to realize truly what happened there. You weren't judging those that were sent home. You were saying that there were too many and that the consequence with that many who were not all prepared would be that they would take credit for something instead of giving credit to you. And we're still doing that now. And in that process, what we failed to see too often is the lessons that come as you literally protected your children for the, for the pride, as in pride before the fall. And you gave them a chance to go home and to be where they were safe and comfortable until the hour came that they found the strength to work with you and through you. And Gideon's army was the key. So, Father, we just ask tonight for a temperance of hearts to look at things differently. Life isn't easy. We're in a very divisive time. It's been a lot of complicated decisions and bad ones. But we are eager to try to judge when, in fact, we should be eager to try to love and heal. But those walks that we've made where we're quick to judge and wield that sort of devastation, let our hand be stayed and reminded of the garden where Peter cut off the ear and Jesus healed the ear. Peter stopped the attack, but Jesus saved a soul. Guide us, and Jesus, above all, please be with us in this walk. This is a deeper lesson that every one of us has something to learn. And as we step into these bigger places where much is given, much is asked, let us remember the responsibilities that we're asking for to walk as the children of the Most High. And that, must, that means truly we must kill the old self and walk within the glory of the body of Christ. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. This is a, some good wisdom, I think, that comes out of this. And it's not easy stuff. And it's definitely, these aren't easy answers. But I do encourage everyone to take this to prayer. Because as we start to see the world, seek to see the world as God sees the world, it's not like we see the world. He's a father, a merciful father. And yes, he can wield wrath. But he is a merciful father. And he holds on to that mercy until the very end. We're not looking at wrath here. I've had plenty of call-outs for judgments on these people that have banged the drum of having us all vaxxed, trust me. And if you've been on this channel, you know. I've also said some things before that there were stages of this fight that are important to understand. 
And I truly believe that's how God has led us in these stages of the fight. But we're in a different season of this fight right now. And as we enter into a new season of this fight and realize that the strength that we have before us is the rise of, the, of a faith and biblical-based culture, an awakening across this nation, we could not have gotten here without the trials of fire. Because now we can see. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest dead. Oh, I want to feel.